Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Christmas episode. It technically is still Advent. However, in five days, well, four days, it will be Christmas. And so we're going to kind of combine the two. And we, you know, in the secular world, which is where we live momentarily, we do that, right? We pretty much celebrate Christmas from Thanksgiving to the day after Christmas. Drives me a little bit crazy because the first day of Christmas is actually December 25th, and then there's 12 days of Christmas after that. That will definitely be next episode, so stay tuned for that. But isn't it crazy how different Christmas time and Advent are when you are young compared to when you are an adult? It's you kind of cannot get back or capture that enthusiasm, that anticipation, that just hopeful jubilee feeling of when you are a kid, right? Um, What are some of your favorite Christmas memories of being a kid? Like, super excited for impending snow, right? And in Wisconsin this week, in Janesville, in Madison area specifically, we are being threatened with um, copious amounts of snow coming. And seriously, adulthood ruins snow real fast. I think it is super important to look at this final week of Advent as we go into Christmas with both that childlike excitement, but also the benefit of being a mature adult. (laughs) I'm giggling because I'm not sure mature adult really fits my description, but I am the hippie Christian who cares and I'm excited that you are here. So let's have a fun episode. For the record, my brain has been reeling all day and really all week about what this episode should be about. And it wasn't until moments before I started recording, as I was preparing to record, I got into my brand new Christmas jammies that say joy and joyful all over them. Thank you to my daughter and her family for the Christmas gift. I have my just chilling Snoopy hat on from the five below. If that isn't a delightful store, I don't know what is, but that's because I tend to feel like I'm 12. Everything's $5 and below for the most part. Interestingly enough, they had like guitars for $20. So that was a little bit weird, but for the most part, you go in there, everything's $5 dollars and less. And they just have all kinds of fun, weird stuff and it's good times. And one of them was a Snoopy hat, which my daughter also bought 
when I'm like, mm, that'd be a good Christmas present. She's like, put it in the cart. I love it. Um, again, probably role reversal, freaky, freaky Friday moment for my daughter and myself. But as I was preparing for my Christmas episode, in my Christmas jammies and my Snoopy hat, which sounds very immature, along with my hot cocoa with copious amounts of marshmallow, which sounds immature, but when you really think about it, it is very mature because when you're young, somebody else gets to determine how many marshmallows you have in your cocoa. When you're old and you buy the bag of marshmallows, you can dump as many as you want in there. And I did, and it was delicious. And it was at that moment in the insignificant that God impressed upon my heart the significant of Christmas and how it takes being an adult to really realize the most significant parts of Christmas. And so marshmallows made me giggle because I thought, all right, there's one thing that being an adult is still fun. Having hot cocoa with lots and lots of marshmallows. I do occasionally like whipped cream too, you know, the kind where you have that um, nozzle and it's just, sometimes you just do it right in your mouth too. So much fun. You have to be careful because if you, <laughs> sometimes you get a little bit of that like car, I don't know what it is, like carbon, whatever, right in your nostril. That's not cool, but very fun. And again, as an adult, when you buy the whipped cream and if you want to sit there with the can and your cocoa and continue to replenish it, that's just fun, right? That's just a bonus of being an adult. Snow, however, is not a bonus of being an adult because when it snows and you're young, that means playing in the snow and making snowmen and uh, snow angels. And somehow it doesn't bother you when the snow gets under your coat and on your skin and I don't know, you probably giggle about it and then you continue to keep playing in it. You're fine. But as an adult, like ruined, like instantly you're like, ah, I'm so cold. This is terrible. I got snow in my pants and snow in my coat and I'm getting wet and it's freezing. And somehow just plopping down to do the snow angel, like I just fear I'm never going to get back up. Now, again, it doesn't necessarily help when you're off your game of exercise and your um, four food groups are a little bit more like Buddy the Elf in terms of candy, candy corn, candy canes, and maple syrup and sugar. I guess it's five food groups. But needless to say, snow as a kid way more fun than as an adult. Because as an adult, it's just more likely that you're going to slip and fall and break your hip. <laughs> it's just more likely that you need it removed. 
whether you're out there shoveling it or paying somebody to shovel it, it needs to be shoveled. And then there's the driving in it. And if you have to go to work or you have to get somewhere and it's slippery, that's always nerve wracking. So hot chocolate is probably a tie, but snow, not so much. And how about the whole Christmas story? Let's talk about that for a minute. I have been recommending getting the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke. And you may or may not know that Luke interviewed people that were witnesses and the people that were part of this great story of Jesus Christ. And I'm pretty sure that Luke most likely chatted with Mary about her role as the mother of Christ. And somehow he captures sort of what we know of the Christmas story. And and when you think of like a nativity scene where it's Joseph and Mary and shepherds and sheep and a donkey and a cow and a baby Jesus. And maybe there's an angel there. And I'm pretty sure there probably were angels in the midst, but I don't know that Mary and Joseph and the shepherds that came to visit while she was in the stable with baby Jesus were as present as these nativities that we have. I read, I read a cool article written by Chad Bird. He's a former Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod pastor and really quite the expert on Old Testament and even, even what I would say even better is connecting and weaving New Testament with Old Testament so that it really makes complete sense. And he takes um, one of the chapters from Revelation, and I want to say chapter 12, don't quote me on that, and ties it into the birth of Christ and how the devil is right there ready to devour Christ. But instead of devouring the baby Jesus, he would devour the man Jesus on the cross, the the man, the God on the cross. Because we always want to talk about Jesus as 100% man and 100% God. Anyways, So that's just like this crazy visual of not a silent night, but what he referred to, I just did air quotes as if you can see me air quoting with my fingers. But anyways, silent night in air quotes, because that's the song we know so well, he refers to it as violent night, meaning Jesus enters into the world that is now being dominated by Satan. And sadly, it's so true of this world still. 
also too, I listened to an outstanding Advent sermon by Bob. Give me a second, Bernhardt. And I say that because I know Bob's sister, Amy Nelson, but she's married to Chuck. And so Bob's last name isn't Nelson. It is Bernhardt, which is Amy's maiden name. And the Reverend Bob Bernhardt out of St. Louis, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod pastor, spoke of Isaiah and Isaiah 34 and 35. And 34 is all this terrible stuff happening at that time. And 35 is a savior who comes to make the world better. And he was describing a situation with, um, a young man that he knew that was taking him into sort of an Isaiah 34 crazy chaotic situation. And then how Christ delivers us in an Isaiah chapter 35. I cannot possibly cliff note it good enough for you. I believe it is on um, YouTube. Um, and I can't remember the name of his church. I want to say maybe it's Our Saviors. Um, email me if you can't find it. I'll send you the link. But wow, it, it was really impactful. But again, I don't want to ruin it. But Bob's point is... Again, Jesus doesn't come into this world, you know, all snugly in swaddling clothes. That just sounds sweet, doesn't it? Like she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And it just sounds like everything's so cozy and perfect. And these shepherds come to visit and there's fluffy sheep and, you know, soft hay. And nope, mm -mm, is a big, hot, hot, hot mess. And so I, I talk about those things because only in our adulthood can we understand what's happening sort of behind the scenes of what we paint this nativity to be. And when you're young, it's exciting to be in the Christmas program. And if you never had a chance to be in one, go watch one. Delightful. Oh my gosh. Kids are a hoot. There's always something crazy that goes on. Um, sometimes it is just that kid who sings so much louder than all the other kids. And it maybe is one or two words ahead or behind. Um, there's always that child who just takes their role so seriously. There's always wardrobe malfunctions. Um, we had the time where Mary dropped the baby Jesus. Somebody handed her the baby Jesus, which I thought was interesting. And then the baby Jesus falls. 
Um, and she's horrified. So many, my mom, I, on this note too, that happened, my mom taught Wednesday after school, Sunday school Bible stories, um, to students that came over from the Wisconsin school for the death in Delavan, Wisconsin at Holy Cross Lutheran church. And so they had their annual Christmas program and Mary picks up the baby Jesus and somehow has like a little piece of the swaddling cloths and it unwraps almost like baby Jesus was mummified in it and he sort of unwraps and unravels and goes rolling down the center aisle. Again, half the kids are laughing their heads off. Mary is practically bawling. And yet somehow you remember those things as like, wasn't that the best program ever? And so I would for sure recommend going to watch one. There is the innocence of lovely angels and fun shepherds and all that kind of through a child's eyes kind of manger scene. But it is a much bigger deal than that. It is um, so much behind all of that. And Old Testament prophets who God gave them the word to say Christ is coming. And from the minute that Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the knowledge of good and evil, that is when death enters because they disobeyed God and the wages of sin is death. And so death enters the world there and God is heartbroken and he knows that he loves these humans that he created and that he wants to create more. And he already has you in mind and he wants to create you, but he knows that when he does, you're a broken mess because Adam and Eve just poisoned humanity. And so he said, he knows, he knows the plan. I will come down and I will show the way and I will be the way and I will die and pay the price of sin, which is death. And when I pay that price, no one else will pay it again. And anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Christ is Lord will live eternally. Like, that's so great, right? Best gift ever. I know that is so cliche, but honestly, so true. And when I say that is, who thought for one second that you were going to get the gift of peace this Christmas. Before I talk about that gift of peace, I want to go back a little bit to 
the kids' view of Christmas and talk about a few of my favorite things, which, P.S., I never really thought the song, um, My Favorite Things from The Sound of Music was a Christmas song until Mary J. Blige did it. Seriously, YouTube that. Mary J. Blige, My Favorite Things, gorgeous, beautiful, and it sounds so Christmassy and it's lovely. But I think of when I was little and a few of my favorite things, one of them was the when Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus is Coming to Town and what's the other one? Um, didn't necessarily love the little drummer boy. I thought that one had a little bit of a dark side to it. Um, it was good, but that was that one I found weird. Um, the Grinch that who stole Christmas and white Christmas. Come on. And it's a wonderful life. Like those weren't something you could just stream or buy on DVD and watch anytime you wanted. Like they were on, on a particular night and you got to watch them then. And like, maybe if you were lucky, you could record it on your VCR. How hilarious is that? Hello. I feel like video killed the radio star and now, and now streaming killed the VCR. Anyways, um, those were exciting. Something that I get super excited for. I loved the whole idea of presents and I loved that in my house, we always had way more Christmas presents under our tree than anybody else in the neighborhood. We also had probably twice as many kids. I'm six of six. And then of course my mom and dad. So gifts for eight people under a tree multiply pretty fast. And the truth is almost all of my friends always had more presents than I did, but we had more presents under the tree. So we won that category and I owned it hard in my head. I wasn't rude about it because at the end of the day, they could have been like, well, really, you only got two things, but I just owned it in my head. Very passive aggressive, right? I loved Christmas lights and we didn't really do a whole lot of Christmas lights at my house. A little bit, um, gorgeous trees, stringing popcorn and cranberries, super fun. Christmas cookies. My mom notoriously made these giant gingerbread people. I don't even really love gingerbread, but the fact that she made six of them and decorated them in a style that was like my sister Susie. Um, and Susie's always had braids. I thought that was always cute that my mom always did little braids on my sister Susie. And made one like me. And often I shared mine with my brother Fritz because he loved gingerbread. And so that's a fun story and going to see Santa and yeah, totally going to narc my sister out right now, but she was a little bit more shy than I was. And so definitely when we lived in Millington, Tennessee, I 
took the full list to Santa and dictated both what I wanted and my sister Susie, and then was a little put out when he delivered the sewing machine, the kids' sewing machine, to my sister Susie, because I'm like, dude, I'm the one who asked for it, but it really was her list and not mine. Those are all such crazy, fun memories. And I do remember one time where, two times, where I think things started to start moving from kid thinking to adult thinking and grown up thinking. One time was, I was probably maybe in like the sixth grade I feel like I was still elementary school and I was, I just had a bad cold on Christmas Eve and we always went to church at a later time on Christmas Eve and then came home and opened the presents. And so my mom didn't want me to go to church. I'm sure she probably didn't want me to get other people sick or get worse. And so my brother Rob got to stay home and we watched a Christmas carol. And I remember being moved at how Scrooge comes around and also thinking a little bit like I wish I was at church too. But also speaking of A Christmas Carol, in one of the older versions, like the black and white, the nephew Fred and his wife are in church and they're singing, O Come All Ye Faithful. And they are singing the part, Oh, come, let us adore him. And I remember watching that and thinking, they're just happy because they love Jesus. So I've been like a Jesus freak for a decent amount of time. And I think that whole Jesus is the reason for this season is super dorky. And yet, it really is true. It's just so corny at how it rhymes and it's so cliche. But I mean, without Jesus, we're just celebrating secular things. And that seems really weird, right? Like, no wonder there's so much pressure and, you know, um, comparing and living up to and all of that kind of stuff. Who cares? Who cares about the presents? Who cares about the food? Who cares about the lights and the candles and the cocoa and the snow and the Christmas trees? And when the real reason is this Prince of Peace who comes to deliver us so that we will be so we will be at peace forever and we will be made new and whole and free free of all the ugliness in this world thank you for listening to my commercial it's probably time to do a new one so i was telling you about chad bird and his Revelation and Luke, or or I should say New Testament, um, and the the prophecy of 
the Prince of Peace coming and um, Pastor Bob and his Isaiah moments of chaos in the world and the peace that comes through Jesus Christ. And then my sister Susie gave me an early Christmas present and it was um, a new, well, I shouldn't say a new, but um, the book, the book was brand new. So that's why I say new because it can't be new because it was written by Billy Graham and he lives with Jesus now, but it is Billy Graham's peace for each day. So I was reading today's and it was just incredible because it was also on peace. And interestingly enough, it even had a little bit of a dark side talking about um, Satan and how Satan certainly wants to destroy Christ, but thank God for Jesus Christ that he would destroy Satan. But what I loved was that the scripture that Billy Graham uses makes so much sense in terms of bringing it all together. And what I love is like Chad Bird talks about New Testament and Old Testament. And when I read this from Isaiah 9, um, starting with verse, verse 6, and then you go to Luke chapter 2, you see how the two connect. So Isaiah 9 chapter or Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and it says I have I brought it up on my phone and of course I touched it and it is now moved <laughs> for for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So then we get to Luke chapter 2, and it speaks of the birth of Christ, and the angels appear to the shepherds and they speak of this prophecy and it's kind of interesting because I don't know if the shepherds are like devout Jews who are definitely going to know what the scripture says. Um, is this prophecy so well known that when the angel appeared to them and she spoke similar to this prophecy that they would know. Um, in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. How cool is that? Like, just everything comes full circle. And the gift of Christ promised in Isaiah is now being born in Bethlehem. And these shepherds, these common everyday worker bees, not the king at the time, not the um, not the smartest Pharisees or, you know, priests or, you know, any, anybody that had tons of money or status. No, it's these, for the most part, low life shepherds. And their response is so perfect. They're like, let's go see, let's go find this event happening. And when they come, they see poor Mary and poor Joseph and their baby in pretty much a barn cave thing. And they are so in awe because the Holy Spirit has moved them through what the angel said and had been spoken of the prophets that they know it is Jesus and they go out and tell people. And I think when you have seen something and you're so excited by it and you are telling somebody about that, that true raw excitement is so believable and so People believed the shepherds and they have that sort of um, vicarious sense of peace because Jesus has been born and that is super duper amazing stuff. Similar to Littles at Christmas, we skip right to peace on earth. And Chad Bird says in his um, very interesting article, which by the way is called When a Dragon Tried to Eat Jesus, the Nativity Story We Don't Talk About. Look it up. It's so good. And his point is Clearly more was going on at Christmas than drinking eggnog and kissing under the mistletoe or even peace on earth. Pastor Bob shares in his sermon on Isaiah 34 and um, Isaiah chapter 34 and chapter 35 But in chapter 35, it is of joy redeemed, 
Be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, and he will come to save you. Jesus has to come and fight the fight first. He has to fight the fight and he has to die fighting to raise victorious. But there is death that happens, and that death is what brings us peace on earth. And I love that Billy Graham shares, A time is coming when the whole world will be at peace. It is a promise from God. And it says, Peace will not come to the earth until the Prince of Peace returns. You see, Jesus did come to bring us peace, but it, but he first has to fight the battle. And we know that he does fight the battle and we know that he does win because he resurrects and there's proof that he resurrects and he stays on the earth for 40 days and over 500 people actually see Christ risen from the dead. And so we wait. It's Advent and we're still waiting on Christmas, we are going to celebrate the birth of Christ, the birth of Christ who would come to fight the fight and to bring peace through his death on the cross and his victory over death and over sin. And so we wait for him to come back. And in our waiting, we are in this crazy secular world and don't think for a minute that it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy things like a child again or participate in some of the fun secular stuff. You for sure can. But just remember who the Prince of Peace is and, and who brings peace and, and what that peace means to you and what an amazing gift it is and how we should all strive to bring peace on earth. As I transition from each thought, thoughts go through my brain before I start recording the next section. And this time it was Bing Crosby and David Bowie. May they both rest in peace. But um, Google that one. It is a mosh of the little drummer boy and a song called peace on earth and it's fabulous so that that was going through my brain and it's a good good song but quite honestly philippians 4 starting with verse um, 6 i believe do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think that really summarizes Advent and going into Christmas for us this week. Don't be anxious about anything, about 
what you need to buy or what you need to still make, or if your house is clean enough for guests, or if just your money is tight this year, or things aren't perfect in your family. But in every situation, in all of those things, by prayer and petitioning God with thanksgiving. And you might say, well, if is a hard time something really to be thankful for? Well, if you are, have the ability to pray, if you have the ability to still breathe, absolutely you have something to be thankful for. And then you present those requests to God, those concerns, those issues, those needs. And the peace of God And this is the part that is so important that transcends all understanding. Peace comes when it shouldn't, when chaos is happening and you can have a heart full of peace. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the peace of God because it is transcending all your understanding of I should be stressed out and somehow God is giving me peace in this and it guards our hearts and it guards our minds in Christ Jesus, in this baby that is born in Bethlehem, who comes to fight all that is sinful that we have done to save us from that sinfulness and to be victorious over death and over sin so that we will raise again from the dead with him in eternal life. So we wait, we wait for Jesus. And when he comes as a baby, we remember that he is the Prince of Peace. Merry Christmas, Susie. Merry Christmas, Paul and Trudy and Brian and Leah and Val and Maureen and Leslie and Becca and Becca. There's two of them. And Phyllis and Susan and Emma and Shelly and maybe Pastor Brad and Pastor Mark. Sometimes you listen, sometimes you don't. That's okay. Bob, Merry Christmas. There are Randy, Merry Christmas to you. Cindy, Merry Christmas. I try so hard to remember who has listened and who hasn't. Trudy, did I say Merry Christmas to you? And Leslie, I'm probably now repeating it. Um, And of course, I can never forget Sister Susie. I already started with her, but, you know, she's my biggest fan. She really is. I am grateful to all of you. I am grateful to share my thoughts on Jesus. I want to remind you that I am just a girl with a microphone sharing her thoughts. Keep reading the Bible. Keep talking to Jesus. Keep pursuing the Prince of Peace because it will put your heart at peace and it will give you great joy. So together, let's come adore Jesus 
this Christmas, and I hope you all have a fantastic Christmas. See you soon. Thank you.